Hello and welcome to another episode of the Auto Trader Podcast. My name is Wandile Sishi. And I'm George Mini. And we have a crazy show today. George, what are we talking about today? Well, I believe uh, we're talking about um, crime. Just, yeah, crime in general? Crime in general, yeah. <laughs> car, car crime. Yeah, uh, well, car, car crime. There's a little bit of crime in general in there as well <laughs> that uh, that we put together. And then uh, and then whether you've purchased a, da- a dud and what to do in terms of a car, other than... Other, other name for the, for a dud would be a lemon, mm-hmm. and then the cheapest cars from uh, South African brands. One hundred percent. I think maybe going straight into it. Have you ever been involved in a car related crime scenario? Uh, mm, not really. No, not really. Yeah. Um, I uh, um, I do believe, however, that uh, the hijackers are. Uh, are getting very creative um, in today's hijacking world, but uh, but before that, apparently the Hawks have uncovered some counterfeit parts about on Ford. They did. So there was a raid earlier this, uh, I think it was earlier this week. Um, essentially, the Hawks. If you don't know who the Hawks are, they basically. So that's the week at the, the end of November, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, they basically the I guess the FBI of South Africa. The um, FBI. The, the special police force in South Africa. Um, and they got wind and were actually they were tracking this this warehouse for a while because um, they knew that there's some fishy business going on there. Um, and what they found there was that there was almost half a million rand worth of, of counterfeit Ford parts. Fortunately, it wasn't like, you know, pistons or like engine parts. It was more like accessories and, you know, more cosmetic things. Oh, um, so okay. at least, you know... Um, it's just like fake Nikes and stuff. It's like fake Nikes, but I guess it would be like a fake... Wild track logo and fake keys and stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and it's not the first time this happens. I think we, we spoke about this in a, in a previous show. So this is in a, in a, in a warehouse in Cape Town in Brockenfell. Mm. Mm. In plain sight. I mean, Brockenfell's in, a pretty built up area. So it was in plain sight in terms of how it was packaged. I saw a photo of the packaging and I'm sure the producer will be able to put it on the screen, but it looked like, you know, real authentic parts. Um, but when the Hawks came in, they kind of were watching and tracking the activity and they knew that, you know, this package here or the shipment here was counterfeit. Yeah. Interesting. I yeah. suppose what they would have done is tracked it from the port somehow, mm-hmm. uh, known that it's counterfeit, but wanting to find out where it ends up, mm-hmm. you know, so that would be the kind of monitoring, but I would assume they would have been doing because mm. it wouldn't have been just walking into the warehouse knowing For that sure. it's counterfeit. Yeah. It's probably been being tracked or being monitored from the from when it lands on the shores. One hundred percent. Also, another thing as part of this, when you look at the photos, you'll see that it's the tape that's been faked. It's the the this is called the pilots where they sit on. That's been it's counterfeit as well. The, the entire thing looks very authentic, very real, but it's fake. Um, so you know, this is an operation that knows what they're doing. They've been doing it for um, certain years. Um, and they've been able to kind of. So there must be some little flaws in yeah. the actual product, its pallets, and yeah, there must be there must be flaws that give it away. Yeah, yeah, uh, or tracking number, or you know, they probably even worked with Ford to be like, are you guys expecting a shipment at this uh, point? What's the tracking maybe. number? That sort of thing. Um, but it's happening, and it's just good to know that you know the Hawks and the police are actively stopping these things because who knows, um, what the impact is on the market. Huh. Yeah. So, um. Changing changing uh, um, lanes a little bit. Mm. Um, what 
is happening in Formula One. When is the when is the new season starting? <sighs> Did I even forget? Um, new season's well, new season starting next year. It'll probably be around March. Uh, March. I think it's the end of March. Yeah, um, and we're starting in Australia again. But yeah, there has been some new news as of this morning, actually. Uh-huh. Um, so don't know if you know this, but Matteo, um, who is the team principal of Ferrari, what's his name? Binotto. Binotto. Um, he's been having some issues this year. We've spoken about his kind of his leadership style and some of the decisions he's made this year. Well, they can't get their strategy right, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but he has officially resigned um, as of this morning. So Ferrari should be expecting a new team principal. Um, there's been wind that they've even approached Christian Horner from Red Bull. Um, but, you know, we'll see We'll see who comes and takes over there. That would be interesting. To have Christian. To have Christian Horner there. Yeah. That would be very interesting. Christian will take everything from Red Bull because that's what he does. Whenever he changes things, he just he takes his entire team. And um, so, it would, where was Christian it would be Horner people. before? He was actually at Red Bull the whole time, but he's just been moving up the ranks. But whenever yeah. he kind of moves up, he takes his his people with him. Yeah, I know. I mean, you move up the ranks, take people with you. It's yeah. a bit more difficult to take people with you to another team. Yeah, for um, sure. So, but that would be a very interesting change. Then I would then I would stick with Ferrari. One hundred percent. Yeah. Then 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 I'll then we'll see something interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah, I've been I've been thinking about <clears throat> defecting for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, we've been trying to reel you in as much as we can. Let's see what happens. I think it's um it's something that we need in the grid, just not for uh, not for Ferrari, but yeah, as fans of the sport, I think we need to, the team needs to be playing um with the rest of the boys and girls. Well, I mean, I think they've got a capable capable car. Um, they just don't don't work together as a team very nicely. Yeah, um, there are some reports that the Ferrari car was actually detuned by about 40%. 40%? Um, not 40%, 40 horsepowers, I think uh, it was. 40%, um, so they could have gone double this fast. Yeah, it's kind of deal. I think it was, Rena, our producer, was actually telling me this, um, with the results of trying to, you know, kind of fix their reliability issues that, you, that uh, Ferrari's had all, okay. all year. So they detuned it slightly to, slightly, not, yeah. not, not to blow up. up. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so if that's the case, Case, if that's the case, if that's the case, then we should anticipate a much faster Ferrari next year if they get everything right. And they get the strategy right. Yeah, yeah. and the right people. Let's talk about hijacking. So uh, mm-hmm. um, I believe there's been a massive increase in, uh, in in number of hijacks in the last quarter in South Africa. Yeah, so it keeps growing up and up and up. To be fair, the last time this was kind of done, we were, lockdown was closing um, or becoming a lot more like how it is today. Um, so the numbers are higher, but you know, I just want to contextualize that just so everyone has a full picture. Um, but the reports are, are, are pretty, pretty high. Around 6,149 cars were hijacked over the period of July and September, which is an, an insane amount of, of cars. July, August and September. Yes, correct. Wow. That's, uh, that's what, like 68 cars a day? 68 cars a day. Yeah. Um, Rick does that make it better? I don't know. What do, what do you think? I'm not so sure that that's a proper hijacker. <laughs> That are new spanners. Not, not in South Africa. They're a lot more technologically, technologically advanced, I think, in, in South Africa. Yeah. And they don't use ballot gloves, I don't think. Um, so 68 cars a day mm. from July to September. That's mm. a lot of cars per day, you mm. know, 6,000 and up from how many cars per day in the quarter before? So in the, the quarter before year. was 4,173. So we're looking at around a 23% increase in, in hijacking activity or cars being hijacked. Um, but I think one of the more, so that's up from 55 cars a day to 68 cars a day 
Yeah. Year on year up to September. Yes. So the there's only a three month period. <laughs> yeah, no, no, fine, but it's representative. Yeah. So last year up to September, that's 2021, uh, to, um, 2022 up to September, the three months compared is 55 cars a day to 68 cars a day. That's a 23% increase. Mm. That's big. It is huge. Um, if you had to split it up between regions, Gauteng is still, yeah, obviously. obviously, you know, and that's been 77% increase. So, oh, so Gauteng's got a bigger increase, a much bigger problem, um, in this. So, you know, I think Ooh, if you're closer, to the, closer be, to the borders, right? Yeah. Just be careful because, you know, it's happening at, at much faster rates than. So how are they per- perpetrating these hijackings? What so are they doing? You're walking into the mall, yada, yada, yada. A guy walks to you or a woman and he's like, Hey, aren't you the person in, they'll say you're the, the make model of your car as well as the, as the color. And they'll be like, Oh, I was, I just parked next to you and I just accidentally slammed your, like your door or whatever. Um, let's go check it out. So you go follow them and when you get to your car, there's a whole gang there and essentially they get you in your car and they just wipe your phone in terms of like they make you log into your banking app. They just wipe your phone. They don't take the car. They wipe your phone and then sometimes they take cars, sometimes they don't. What do you but mean wipe your phone? They go to your banking app and, and, and wipe it clean. Um, and yeah, they mean they steal your money. They steal your money. <laughs> Let me use English. They steal they your money. Wipe your phone. <laughs> they steal your money off your banking app and your phone. Yes. My goodness. Yeah. So they're getting <clears throat> sneakier with, with these ploys. But the one that the SAPS has kind of spotlighted now in, in a tracking service is drive throughs It happened to one of my friends I was saying earlier. As um, in like uh, KFC, McDonald's, KFC. Uh, Burger King. 100%. You're there trying to get a burger and guys come with guns and they say, thank you, please. Um, we'll, we'll no, no, just, just, just hold on a second. So you're at a drive through right? Yeah. Unless you're at the front of that queue busy paying or collecting your food, should I say, not paying. Yeah. Um, there's cars in front of you and usually you can't get over the curb. So how are they taking your car at a drive-thru? I would imagine that they have a team. So there's a guy in front, maybe, like a car in front of you, which is part of the thing. Part of the thing. And then uh, they wait car, for their moment. And a car behind you, so you're blocked in. So they can really take their time um, completely in kind of getting out the car and speeding off when they're ready to. Oh, wow. Um, so this has been increasing. It's It's... it's and I think drive-thrus are now just not just for hijackings, just period. They, you're not paying attention. You just, you're hungry, um, and you're just looking forward to your next meal. And people come. <laughs> are, they, are they picking on hungry people? Is that what you're saying? Don't be hungry. Don't get hungry. You're more vulnerable when you're hungry. Oh my goodness, no. <laughs> <laughs> don't look at the stats. Don't get hungry. You'll get hijacked. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't get angry. You so protect yourself from, so, from crime. So, but they're not only stealing the car in the drive-throughs. I believe they're stealing phones and yes, and stealing, stealing your and, valuables and and now even people. Um, not in the drive-through. The hijackers uh, right now. They're also stealing people. So, one of the stats that came out of this research is um, you have a much higher. I think it's two times more chance of being kidnapped during a hijacking than the second most. Um, kidnapping related crime. So you shared these numbers with me before the show, which yeah. is um, <clears throat> there have been 3,648 kidnapping cases in the country up yeah. to the quarter ending September, right? Mm-hmm. Of that, 1,408 cases were kidnapping in a hijacking. Yes. Okay, so that's 39% of the cases yes. of kidnapping being hijacking related, right? Mm-hmm. 
But I think what's scarier is if you take the 1,408 kidnapping cases into the 6,149 hijacking cases, that is a 23%. 23% of all hijacking cases involve a kidnapping as well. Yep. So you have a 23% chance of actually getting kidnapped getting kidnapped. In and hijacking. Yes. They're not going to just chuck you out the car. So mm. why are they doing this? Why are they kidnapping people during a hijacking? Well, I think I'm going to put my mind in the criminal's thought process here. I would assume for a few things. One, you can't report the crime at that point. Well, I suppose, yeah, if they've got you, you're not going to be reporting the crime for a while. They can also do more things than just steal your car. They can wipe. <laughs> wipe. They can steal your money out your phone. They can steal your money out your phone, <laughs> your money out your phone as well. Um, and it, it just buys them time to really maximize the potential of this crime unfolding. And I suppose, um, uh, you know, get a ransom. And get a ransom, yes. If they believe, you know, somebody's going to pay for you. 100%. Um, so just be careful. Just be careful. Is there a way of, of, of mitigating? Do you have any tips for, for people to mitigate a hijacking? Yeah. So, I mean, defensive driving. We've spoken about defensive driving a lot in the past, mm. you know. Um, <clears throat> and defensive driving also saves you fuel. Mm. because how do you defensively drive? You anticipate a yes. traffic light. You anticipate the traffic. You know, race up behind somebody. The other thing is stop being on your phone. Mm. Mm. I, I, I can't tell you how many people in the traffic I see. You know, I was on the, on the freeway the other day, on the way to the office, as a matter of fact, on the, on the highway. Yeah. And um, uh, I was, you know, middle lane. This guy was in left lane. And I was, I was creeping up towards, the, uh, you know, the side of his car, going slightly faster than him. He must have been doing, you know, 100, 110. I was doing 120. So I was going to pass him yeah. relatively. And he drifted into my lane. Mm. So I hooted. And, uh, you know, now I don't want to drift into the other lane because I don't know if there was a car there. So exactly, I yeah. could a look, you know, put on the brakes a bit um, as I hooted. And then, and then he went back into his lane. And as I passed him, guess what? He's on his phone. He's on his flipping phone. Yeah. Yeah. How old is this um, person? This lovely human, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's a middle-aged man. Okay. I uh, can't okay. say, you know, how old he really was. But um, but he was on his phone. And I was like, okay, so I just hooted at you. You just pulled back into your lane. And you're still on your phone. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Crazy, and, crazy, and, and crazy. What, and what I find people doing is, like, when you look into the car, they, they've got their hands on the steering wheel with the phone on top of the steering wheel like mm. this. Which, you know, just, just stay off your phone. We've done, we've done, we've actually done the research before of how, what are the chances of you being in an accident when you're on your phone? And it's, I mean, the numbers well, go. Well, chances all of the you way. being hijacked because you're not taking notice of your surroundings, right? Yeah. So, so I think to avoid a hijacking, you've got to really take note of your surroundings, mm. number one. The other thing you, you can do, and I, I, you know, I've done this before on previous cars I've had is put a double layer of um, smash and grab. Mm. So I think the thickest layer is uh, 300 micron or something. Okay. I, I stand to be corrected. Um, I put two layers of, mm. uh, of film, one clear layer and one mm. tinted layer um, of film on the window of the car, which makes it so much harder to, um, to break. Mm. But unfortunately, it doesn't stop a, a bullet. Um, and then, did you see the first Jaguar I-Pace in the world? South African. The South African that is armor, uh, that is, uh, um. Because I think they have B6 armoring, armoring which is basically, yes. it can stop a AK-47 sort it, of attack. It costs like 800 grand or something. Funny story, uh, the guys who do that, 
Um, they're going to be so happy that I'm mentioning this, but they've reached out. They actually want to come on and talk about that, that process. Oh, lovely. Um, so we'll definitely probably have them on some of these days. Um, just to kind of talk, talk through that because I mean, the entire process is as fascinating as, as hell. And as the first electric car, ultimately that's, yeah, um, it's a, I mean, Jaguar I-Pace. Jaguar I-Pace is already 2.1 tons. Mm. Um, so I just want to add, I just want to see how much uh, weight that this particular armor, um, armor proofing adds to the car, but I think it's 200 kilos. Yeah. Um, if I recall, I think it's about 200 kilos. Um, um, and if I can't find it quick enough, then uh, we will move on. But, uh, um, yeah, I think it's 200 kilos. You're on so, 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 so it's not like, a, it's not like an insane amount. No, no, it's not an insane amount. So, um, it, it, it turns out that, um, um, people say, well, is 200 kilos a significant, you know, decrease in the cars, in, in an electric car's efficiency? And the answer is no. Mm. Because apparently you lose under, um, under one kilowatt hour per hundred kilometers. So you're losing about two kilowatt hours. I worked it out. You, you're losing single digit percentages, maybe six or seven percent of the okay. car's range, okay. which I mean, 200 kilos is what two people. Um, in a car, so so it's 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 not a significant reduction in range. Mm. It's actually an insignificant reduction in range for that amount of for weight. Plus, if you weigh that with the you know the protection that you get, yeah, you know, um, I think it's a little it's worth it. Ultimately. But I mean, you don't need to get your car uh, armor proofed or um, there's or, also there's one other thing you could do what? <laughs> if you want to avoid a hijacking. There are cars out there, and I'm not. This is not like a plug. There are cars out there which are more likely to get hijacked. Fast one, like a, a Ferrari or a Red Bull. 100%. Not a Mercedes. Those have a higher chance of being hijacked. <laughs> um, so, you know, consider that also when you're buying your next car, when you search on Autotrader um, for your next car, because, you know, they do have targets, these hijackers. Yeah, I mean, we, we all know the VW Polo is a very sought after car, but that could change very quickly. It's not, it's not because it's a VW Polo. It's no, just no, because no. it's a high demand car, 100%. right? So if the Haval Jolian, for instance, is becoming very popular, mm. um, you know, you could start seeing those cars being hijacked. So it's not about the VW Polo. It's not a, yeah. you know, it's not because it's a VW Polo. It's just because it's a high demand car. 100%. Moving on. So this one, I think you can, a lot of people are one of the most asked for questions on Ask Auto Trader actually is around this. So if you purchase a dud or a lemon, like you mentioned, is there things that you can do to make sure that you essentially avoid, um, you know, going to court? And what can you do in a scenario where you buy you buy the car and it's been like a week and you're like, what what's going on here? This car is definitely not what was ordered, for instance, in your experience. So so you're talking about buying a lemon. Buying something that has got a manufacturing flaw. Mm. Well, I mean that uh, the the three R's exist, so mm-hmm. you can you know uh, you can get it. The 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 dealer has to repair it, replace it, or refund. Mm. Those are the three. Those are the three rules in terms of the Consumer Protection Act. Okay, and speaking of the Consumer Protection Act, so essentially to your point, you have about a six month period under certain conditions, um, in which you can actually go back and make sure. That you haven't been cheated because it could be a scenario where they didn't even know um, that there's something wrong with the vehicle. Um, but there is recourse, and depending on the circumstance, there's definitely um, actions that you can do as a consumer in South Africa to make sure that you can kind of 
avoid that. So, yeah, I mean, the Consumer Protection Act is there exactly for the for the consumer, and um, you know, according to Section fifty six two of the Consumer Protection Act, the consumer has the right to return a vehicle. Mm-hmm. to a seller within a six-month period under certain conditions. You've got to mm. understand the certain conditions. It's not just any like, oh, I don't like this car anymore. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work like that. I want it in blue. <laughs> so, however, the CPA only applies to suppliers who sell cars during the ordinary course of business and not to private sales between individuals. Mm. Okay, so you can't go and buy a car privately and uh, go, hey, Wendy, sorry, I'm returning this car. I don't <laughs> like it. Doesn't work like that. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, so certain conditions. You're going to go and look up what those certain conditions are. So there has to be a proven defect. Yeah, proven defect. If you can prove that the vehicle you were sold was not fit for purpose when you bought it, you have a leg to stand on. But you, as a buyer, have to provide the evidence. Mm. It's not up to the the person who sold it to you to give you the evidence in order to mm. return the car. You have to provide the evidence. This puts you in a position uh, to demand repair, replacement, or refund. So again, it doesn't come down to, to just returning the car. Yeah, it's those three R's. Right? They can always repair it. They can always repair it. Mm. Um, it it's not necessarily like I, I, I I've come across people. Oh, I'm going to take this car back. Um, you know, and then they want the they want the dealer to give them their money back. You can't do that, mm. unfortunately. Um, that that is just not as easy to do as you think it is. Um, 100%. The Consumer Protection Act. You have to prove that there's a defect. Number one and number two, um, the the seller of the car, the dealership, can repair, replace, or refund. They can choose which one they want to do. Hundred percent. So you do have options, but we have a few articles on the website. So if you want to check out what you can do in any different scenario, we have a bunch of websites on the Auto Trader Zero. Um, websites where you can find all of that. However, yes, <laughs> I'm sorry, Wendy. there is a cool, there is this thing called the cooling off, cool, cooling off period. So yeah. CPA says that if you buy a car on impulse, you can return it, no strings attached. This cooling off period does not have clear cut parameters, though. I was about to ask, yeah. So, so it's not a case of, oh, this is what the CPA says. I can return it during the cooling off period. It doesn't have clear cut parameters. It lasts for five business days and can only be invoked if the buyer has bought a car as a result of direct marketing concerning that same product from a supplier. For example, you need to have received an email, SMS, or other direct marketing material from the supplier to buy into a specific deal before you are eligible for the cooling off period. So okay. they are T's and C's. Yeah. Okay, so, so yes, you are protected, but what they're trying to do in the CPA is, you know, stop ninnies from just trying to break the law, just kind of return the car because they just feel like it. Yeah, you know, it doesn't work like that. Hundred percent. Okay, so (laughs) moving on, we're running out of time, but yeah, a recent study was done um, on the cheapest cars from the the different brands in South Africa. So something that I'm sure you know, over forty brands in South Africa exist um, or operate here, not as OEMs, but you know, just. They sell their cars. Yeah, I think it's actually more than that. Yeah, it's a little bit more. I think it's around that figure. Mm. Let's just say. <laughs> um, and the cheapest one that has come out of the list is now the Suzuki. Uh, it's the Espresso. It's oh, the okay. Espresso, yes. Okay. And it comes in around 159,000 uh, rand. Um, and I know for a long time that, that used to be belong to the Quid, the Renault Quid. Um, but there's a new cheapest car in South Africa. Yeah. So if you are looking for something a little bit more affordable, Definitely consider it. Um, yeah. So what's the cheapest car in South Africa now? 
the Suzuki Espresso. Espresso. Oh. One liter GL specifically. Okay. I found okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> 157,000. There you go. Man. Suzuki Espresso. Like, Suzuki's done w- well in the last 18 months. They I honestly have, yeah. Um, yeah, they, they honestly have. They have done really, really well. Yeah, I think on only level, even an, at, at an SUV level, at just an entry level car. I think it started levels. off with the Suzuki, um, what's that SUV called? Well, Jimny. Uh, Jimny. Mm. Yes, that Jimny, I think, started the trend. 100%. About a year and a half, two years ago. Yes. And before I leave you, I don't know if you saw the story, but I think it's Checkers or ShopRite specifically has just is starting a new pilot. Um, ShopRite the, Checkers. Yes. Of the first um, battery electric EV that they're currently running. So the, the, the truck is 100% electric. I think it has a range of about 350. And they're trying to see if, you know, if it's profitable for them to start making the change um, and making their fleets electric good on checkers i mean uh, the fact that they've lit this litten litten listen to me <laughs> the fact that they've lit this truck up like this yeah. uh, i wonder how many how much how much uh, battery that li- those lights use but um, probably probably leds so not a lot but yeah. uh, you know good for checkers i think uh, more pilots need to happen i know there's a taxi pilot happening in cape town yes uh, well, it's about to, it's about to happen if, if i'm not mistaken yes. um, but there are plans for different fleets and different industries sort of Making the change now. And the other, uh, it was yesterday. Uh, you know, the delivery bikes, I mean, big thing in South Africa now yes, since yes, lockdown. Yes. Um, so I saw a three wheeler, yeah, uh, full electric delivery bike. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So it's, it's, it's starting to happen. I know in Africa it's a big thing and India as well. They've kind of made that, they started yeah. there. Um, but it seems like, you know, the rest of the country is catching up to the EV future and the future of mobility. So it's good to see. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much all the time we have for. Thank you so much for the show, George. Thanks, see you guys Wendy. next week. Yes. Go Norris. <laughs> Every week it's a new person. <laughs>